Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show! Hey, I'm Gabe. I'm Jamie. Uh, hey, Jamie. Hey, what? <laughs> I I was out of town and didn't have to sit through uh, the state house this uh-huh. week. Did anything happen? No, it was totally boring. Nothing ever happens in the state house. Oh, I'm sure it was boring, but I'm sure something <laughs> also happened. Actually, it wasn't that boring because it was our fabulous people this week um, nice. talking about how Senate Bill 155 and 208 both are completely and totally based on misinformation and lies and stigmatize abortion providers and their patients. So, yeah. Back in health committee. Back in Senate health committee. Yes. Okay. Um, I, uh, I wanted to kind of focus on uh, this hearing in this week's podcast um, because this is a, a great lineup, even though we hate this bill. This is a great lineup of some of our um, friends and colleagues mm-hmm. who have joined us in this fight against this legislation. Uh, and so we really want to uplift um, all the people who testified mm-hmm. because they really brought some great arguments. And it's important that everybody in the pro-choice community um, have a sense of who all of these groups are. And this is a great example. So yeah. it's both educational and it's, it's promotional. <laughs> um, so we're going to play some of their audio. We're going to start off with uh, a, a now we can call her friend of the <coughs> podcast uh, since she uh, – uh, was on with you just a couple weeks ago, Elizabeth Brown, um, who leads up the Women's Public Policy Network. Yes. Um, you know, what? why are they involved in this? Well, they're a partner, so they actually represent a whole host of other groups. Um, so it really is a network of domestic violence groups and some union folks and all kinds of different organizations, specifically looking around women's issues particularly from like an economic angle. So what is the economic impact of not having paid family leave? Um, What is the economic impact of bills like this and not having access to the health care you and your family need? So really looking at it from that particular economic place rather, you know, specifically. Okay. And Elizabeth Brown, we should note, is also Columbus City Councilwoman Brown. Yes. But she wasn't wearing that hat. No. She wasn't testifying on behalf of the city. No. This was through her, her private professional. Yeah, as director of Women's Public Policy Network. Yes. Cool. Okay. So here's Elizabeth Brown. We believe that the measure of success for our state and communities is in large part determined by the success of our women. Therefore, policymakers must advance public policy centered in equity, fairness, and justice that address the following issue areas. Promoting an economic security agenda for women, ensuring fairness and opportunity in the workplace, and improving women's health and well-being. These shared goals shaped our interest in testifying today against Senate Bill 155. The passage of this legislation stands in fundamental opposition to all three of our public policy interests, especially our goal to improve the health and well-being of women. 
because we know that all women deserve the opportunity to lead economically secure, safe, and healthy lives, we strongly urge the committee to reject this dangerous bill. Since 2011, there have been more than 20 restrictions to reproductive health care and abortion access enacted into law in the state of Ohio. These medically unnecessary and dangerous restrictions have chipped away at the accessibility and affordability of obtaining an abortion in Ohio, creating new hurdles for women to access abortion care. With the passage of each new limitation, lawmakers have interfered directly with Ohioans' health care decisions. They've put women's health and lives at risk and stigmatized abortion and the medical professionals who provide that care. Then we get to hear from you. You testified. What'd you say? Generally talked about the medical research on this and how there's really zero medical evidence that it's even effective and safe for people. Um, and talked about a study that's currently underway that um, is researching this. Okay. So here's your testimony. Advocates for Senate Bill 155 say that this is about pe giving people choices. But what the bill really amounts to is experimenting on pregnant individuals without their full consent and without them knowing the facts and the risks involved. This is not about science or medicine. It is about pushing anti-abortion propaganda into the doctor-patient relationship. I find it ironic that some of the same groups that say abortion can providers cannot differ from the exact FDA protocol for providing medication abortion care are now coming before this body and advocating that these same doctors be required by Ohio law to tell patients about an experimental unproven treatment that has not been reviewed for safety or efficacy by the FDA. So for one medication, the FDA protocol is a gold standard because anti-abortion advocates want to limit its use as much as possible. But for another medication that has not been reviewed by the FDA for the use as described, we should just trust anti-abortion organizations when they tell us, tell us it's safe and effective because anti-abortion advocates agree with this medication. Whether something is safe and effective shouldn't be decided by your opinion about abortion. It should be based on scientific fact and research. Beyond the lack of any scientific evidence that this is even an effective medical treatment, this bill is also 100% about using anti-abortion propaganda to stigmatize and shame abortion providers and the patients they serve. So now, here we are in this hearing room with the legislature endorsing yet another myth about abortion care, adding even more stigma to a medical procedure that is among the most commonly performed in the United States. Patients deserve full, medically accurate, scientifically verifiable information about their health care. This must be determined by medical experts, not biased organizations pushing a political agenda to limit access to care. So Jamie, after your testimony, you got questions from Senator Christina Regner. What'd she ask you? She asked um, what our position would be if um, there was actually scientific research that proved this was safe and effective and then followed up with some other kind of similar questions. If, if a future study proves to your satisfaction that, in fact, it is um, you know, effective, would you come and advocate then, be a proponent for such a bill uh, that would um, provide the women the information they need to make an informed choice? Number one, we would never support anything that criminalizes um, medical professionals. They need to be able to do what they need to do to make sure that their patients have the information that they need. So if a felony penalty for not speaking words to a patient 
would would be a, a concern to us in 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 a bill. Um, but again, if we were talking about something that the FDA had approved and reviewed and was safe and was shown to be effective, we would be in a different ballgame on this bill. But I would not say that we would certainly support anything because I don't know what that would look like. Uh, so next up is Sarah Inskeep. Yeah, Sarah. We used to work for Planned Parenthood, so has been in the movement for a while, but is now the Ohio State Policy and Movement Building Director for URGE here in Ohio. Okay, here's Sarah for URGE. URGE is a reproductive justice organization that is powered by young people in Midwestern and Southern states, including Ohio. At URGE, we envision a world where all people have the agency over their bodies and the tools, knowledge, and resources to have that agency freely. We do this by building and engaging young people in creating and leading the way to sexual and reproductive justice for all. Forcing medical professionals to inform people of a procedure that is not supported in science, not regulated by the FDA, and is widely denounced by credentials organizations in the field is not only unethical, it will not improve the healthcare and well-being of Ohioans. Now, the goal of the Medical Misinformation Act is not to make advancements in the field of reproductive and sexual health, but instead is to shame and stigmatize those who have made the decision to have an abortion and to widely spread misinformation about how abortion care actually works. If this were the true intent of this legislation, we would be having discussions about topics like contraception equity and implementing comprehensive evidence-based and culturally competent sexual health care in Ohio schools. Those topics are not being discussed and is not the priority of this General Assembly. Please allow me to be very clear. Abortion is normal and an essential part of the reproductive, full range of reproductive and sensual health care. The decision if and when to continue a pregnancy is a personal decision that should be made without political interference and in consultation with a trusted medical provider. And so Sarah got some, some serious questions. How is... Um, giving people more information in any way contrary to what you're advocating, which is to enable people to make the best decisions they can. Through the chair, Senator Rogner, uh, again, I and urge as the organization is going to take the backing and support from medical organizations and experts like ACOG and the other groups that have come out against this bill uh, in stating that, again, it's not something that is regulated by the FDA at this time, and I don't believe that the legislature has a place to be doing so until it is further examined and possibly regulated. We get to hear from Mason Hickman, who's a terrific activist uh, here in Columbus. Yeah, his testimony is awesome. I have built my life in Ohio, and I am incredibly invested in the communities here. And to see you all turn against your own communities by introducing a medically inaccurate, medically unproven, unethical, and dangerous bill absolutely disgusts me. The people of Ohio, people who you are responsible for and in charge of protecting, voted to put you in those seats. And now you are betraying them by pushing a bill that will allow a medically inaccurate procedure, a procedure not approved by the FDA, to become the law of the land. You are more attentive to upholding your own ideology and partisan beliefs than you are to protecting your constituents. These are real people we're talking about. This bill is meant to do nothing more than to shame and coerce patients into changing their minds about a private medical decision. Would you try to pass legislation to coerce people into changing their minds if they were getting their tonsils taken out? 
if they were getting their wisdom teeth taken out, or if they were having a colonoscopy. I would like to know because all of those procedures are more dangerous and riskier than having an abortion. If you cannot trust and respect your constituents to make private medical decisions about their own bodies in the privacy and safety of a medical office, then you do not deserve to be the politician representing them. As a lifelong Ohio resident, I someday plan to have a family, buy a home, and continue contributing to the communities that I love. However, I refuse to raise children in a state that will not respect their bodily autonomy. Whether my child is capable of childbearing or not, whether my child will want to have an abortion or not, whether my child is straight, gay, cisgender, transgender, or non-binary, they deserve to know that they are protected and respected under the law. I deserve that, the people in this room deserve that, and the citizens of Ohio deserve that. So Mason got a question from uh, Senator Gavarone. Yes. Um, so both Sarah before him and then Mason in his testimony um, mentioned that this that abortion isn't just a women's issue, um, that people who don't identify as, as women, trans men, and, you know, non-cisgendered women you know, don't, would also may need access to abortion care. So um, a, a point which Teresa Gavaron didn't really get. Yeah. So her question was around that point and the fact that, you know, she wanted Mason to explain why we were talking about trans rights and LGBTQ issues. Okay. So here's that Q&A. I'm reading this bill and I'm not really seeing how... Um, the LGBTQ community is treated any differently than, than anyone else, and I'm not sure why that uh, an issue is being raised. Um, can you please clarify what the significance is? Uh, through the chair, uh, Senator Gavaron, certainly. Um, so I guess I will use myself for example. So I am a transgender man, and I am someone who, um, like many cisgender women, need to access reproductive health care. And the thing about this bill is, the language is um, gender to specifically talk about women, but it's important to have visibility for uh, queer and transgender folks as well um, to leave us in the conversation because if we are not kept in these conversations, then you know we become invisible. So I believe that that is what the uh, previous witness talked about, um, and then as well as myself. It's just important to include that transgender and queer people are also accessing reproductive health care, and we are equally affected by this legislation. Reverend Terry Williams is brought down the house again. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, friend, friend of the podcast. If you allow this legislation to become law, you will be putting your stamp of approval, your good name, on pseudoscience that the current guidance from the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists calls unproven and unethical. At present, the scientific community does not support the unproven procedures named in this legislation for the same reason you should not support this legislation. There is simply not enough evidence yet to show the treatment is safe or effective. I'm here to tell you today, history cannot judge any of us kindly if we rush headlong into this legislation without allowing the scientific community to do its work properly and in good order. And history will not judge it a vice if you decide to wait until the science is clear about the implications of new and as yet untested medical procedures. Citizens of our state deserve thoughtful, reasoned legislators who can lead us through difficult times of waiting and into sure-footed paths that lead to a brighter future. 
I know that you each desire to provide just that kind of leadership for Ohio, and I implore you to do so with a reasonable and measured no vote on Senate Bill 155. Senator Rogner. My question for you as a minister is, when do you believe life begins? That's an excellent question, and I would be more than happy to discuss my religious beliefs with you outside of the setting. I do not, however, believe that my religious beliefs ought to impact your decision-making in this place around how you work the law in terms of science. Science has very little to do, and this bill has very little to do, with when I believe such things happen. And I would just respectfully disagree because, I mean, your point is you want to do no harm, ethically do no harm. Well, I mean, ethically doing no harm matters if that's an individual or not, if, that's a, if it's a human being, if it's a life. So that's why I asked the question. And well, we'd love to have your perspective. Chairman, Chairman Burke and, and Senator Rogner, the concept of doing no harm as the Hippocratic Oath is a commitment from physicians in the services that they provide. Decisions that an individual makes about their body, you can certainly disagree with, you can certainly have the opinion that they are you know, making harm in some way, fashion, or form. But the conversation we're having today is about physicians doing harm or not doing harm. And we don't know whether the advice that you're going to try to require through this legislation to be given by physicians, we don't know whether that will harm or won't. That's the concern that's before each of us today, not an individual woman's choice. So then um, Lauren Blavelt Copeland um, from Planned Parenthood testified. Um, and really brought, you know, the perspective of the healthcare provider that Planned Parenthood is and, right. you know, why this is dangerous for the patients they serve. In Ohio, Planned Parenthood health centers proudly provide abortion as part of the full range of reproductive health care. They also provide life-saving health care like breast and cervical cancer screenings, STI treatment and testing, HIV testing to over 85,000 patients annually, and medically accurate sexual health education programs to nearly 40,000 clients each year. Every day, people come through the doors of Planned Parenthood health centers for those safe, reliable, confidential, and judgment-free services. The advocacy work we do at Planned Parenthood Advocates of Ohio is dedicated to protecting the essential health and education services that Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio and Southwest Ohio region provides to communities, and we are joined in support by more than 245,000 supporters committed to protecting reproductive health care and rights across the state of Ohio. Senate Bill 155 would force doctors to provide patients with information that is medically inaccurate and could be harmful to the patient's health. There is no scientific or medical evidence that proves that reversing a medication abortion is possible. No clinical trials, no objective, nor credible data. There have not been any clinical trials where this has been tested for safety, effectiveness, or the likelihood of side effects. It is equally unclear how increased exposure to high doses of progesterone, which is used as part of this protocol, may affect a developing fetus. Senate Bill 155 is all about politics, with no regard for health care or medical ethics. This bill would force doctors to tell their patients information that medical experts consider to be dangerous, both for a patient's health and for securing informed consent. This legislative body has been working to end access to safe and legal abortion in Ohio for years. And this measure is a further intrusion of politicians into Ohioans' personal lives. 
People do not turn to politicians for advice about their health care, and politicians should not involve themselves into personal medical decisions about pregnancy. But I wanted to thank you. I wanted to clarify in the in the, in sort of the discussion with the chair that there's not um, so that conversation would happen, but but the um, pregnant woman is in this position to say. Um, and, and again, we've heard anecdotally that that has happened, that uh, the decision was made, um, mind was changed, and they did not follow through with the second pill. So whatever the conversation or whatever happens with their medical practitioner, because again, mm -hmm. we don't belong in the room there for that, um, but there's nothing that at this point in time uh, prevents that from happening in the uh, code? Through the chair, through Senator, to Senator Antonio, no, there's nothing in the code preventing that conversation, but we are not in that conversation. And it's important that we are only thinking about what is based in science and medical ethics when thinking of, as a provider, what would be shared with a patient. I appreciate that. The reason why I'm asking you that is because we have a piece of legislation before us that is, a, and, and when we look at legislation, it's to solve a problem, mm -hmm. um, remediate something, you know, fix fix something that exists, a problem that exists, and um, through all of the testimony that I've heard, what I haven't heard is that there's a um, anyone, we did not get any anecdotal information from anybody saying, I wanted to stop taking, I didn't want to take the second pill and someone forced me to take it or whatever. That has not, that has not been information we've received and, and frankly, um, so there's nothing in the code, there's nothing in, in the practice on the part of abortion providers that would refuse a woman if she makes the decision not to take a second pill. Is that, am I correct or not? Through the chair uh, to Senator Antonio, uh, you are correct in that we are not, this is, we're looking for a solution to a problem that is not currently happening. That one, patients who choose abortion have come to their decision very thoughtfully and very meaningfully and included the right people in that decision for themselves. We are not part of that very personal medical decision. Um, that is between a patient and their provider and anyone they, they choose to bring into it. They also choose to take the first pill and they choose to take the second pill to complete the abortion well, process. And, and with the chairs. Thank you. Or choose not to. Correct. They are able to do that today. Correct. Thank you. Thank you, Chair. And then the last witness on this bill is Sarah Berry, who really looked into the research behind. Yeah. Her, her research was a point-by-point -point, like teardown of the Delgado study that the anti-abortion folks used to say why we should do this. Nice. So here's Sarah. During the proponent hearing, it was claimed that this process has been tested and proven to same lives, that it was 64 to 68% effective, and that this is shown from the Delgado et al. study of, quote, 754 cases of this reversal process. I'd like to use my testimony to go over this study with you and examine these claims. Let's start with the last claim that the Delgado et al. study was of 754 cases of the reversal process. 
On the first page of this study, it appears to be true. Uh, it says, the methods section of the abstract says, this is a retrospective analysis of clinical data of 754 patients who decided to attempt to reverse the medical abortion process. However, if you move on to the results section of the paper, you come across figure one. I'm sorry, I lost my place. Um, you come across figure one, which documents that all seven, although there were 754 patients who initially initiated progesterone therapy, only 547 of them were eligible for analysis. So the claim that this paper documents 754 cases of the reversal process is a misrepresentation of what the science actually says. If you change the statement and claim that this paper shows seven, 547 cases of reversal, that's also not accurate because the paper clearly states that five 547 patients, that of those 547 patients, there were 257 births. Next is the claim that this reversal process is 64 to 68% effective. If you look closely at the conclusion section of the study, it recommends two progesterone regimens, high doses orally, or at least seven intramuscular injections. I would like to direct your attention to the discussion section of the study, particularly table one. The high dose oral group had 31 patients and a success rate of 68%. The 68% success rate number is based off a patient population of only 30 one people. If you add up the groups that received at least seven intramuscular injections, you get 38 patients. The 64% success rate is based off a patient population of only 38 people. These sample sizes are literally too small to draw any kind of legitimate, causative, scientific conclusions from, and to use this paper to claim that this method has been proven effective at a rate of 64 to 68% is a complete misrepresentation of the science. This study has a lot of issues. Issues like being briefly retracted because the originally published version claimed it received IRB approval from the University of San Diego when it definitely did not. Issues like using the study Maria et al. as a control group, even though Maria et al. only studied patients who were six and seven weeks pregnant, and the Delgado et al. study studied patients who were up to nine weeks pregnant. That's not a comparative control group. The study itself concedes that so many patients were lost to follow-up that it could have affected the results. SB 155 states that doctors must inform women that it may be possible to reverse the intended effects of a mifepristone abortion, and although not named in the bill, it is using the Delgado et al. case series to justify that mandate. I do commend the legislature for wanting to give women all the options, I really do, but I condemn them for using junk science to justify mandating medical misinformation. During the proponent hearing, it was also claimed that over 900 children were born after this procedure. As I mentioned, this study only documents 257 births. I look forward to the case series documenting the over 600 children saved using this method, but until then, I have to treat it as what it is, a claim based off of spurious scientific evidence. I also heard someone suggest during the proponent hearing that if a person who underwent the reversal protocol brought in their child to committee, that would somehow be evidence enough. And that's just not how science works. Uh, so please don't make the world laugh at you by pretending it is. So those are all the witnesses. Um, I think that was a, several compelling arguments right there as to why they should stop action on Senate Bill 155. Well, especially because now we know that the research that was actually being done as a clinical trial was actually stopped early for um, for medical safety reasons. So yeah, they should definitely push pause on this at least, if not just completely throw it out. Okay. Um, a, 
assuming that they don't do that, what are the next steps and how can people get involved? So um, we'll have at least one more hearing on the bill. Not quite sure when. They should go on a couple of weeks of break because it's local elections in a couple of weeks. So they should at least take next week off, hopefully. Um, So we're looking at future hearings. You can definitely reach out to the committee members um, and tell them why they need to not vote on this bill. And if you're interested in testifying at one of those future hearings, let us know. Okay. Uh, And a link to contact your state senator, uh, assuming you live in Ohio, uh, is in the show notes. Please do contact them. It's a simple web form. um, But that sends a powerful note to let them know their constituents Mm -hmm. oppose this legislation. And just also a final quick shout out to Hannah, who filled your role in tweeting this week and did a fabulous job doing it. Great. Uh, Upcoming events is on our Facebook page. A link for that is in the show notes as well. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.